Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of ContiCast. We have a lot to cover this episode. In fact, we actually have a special guest with, with us today. Yeah, so uh, Brennan here, I will introduce our special guest. Uh, our guest is Jacob Lassner, uh, who is who does uh, WZBC Sports Radio and covers a lot of different sports. Um, welcome, Jacob. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm very excited about this. Uh, so yeah, I I, uh, <clears throat> I uh, am the president of uh, WZBC Sports Radio. It's kind of a long-standing tradition here at Boston College. Um, it's been around uh, for as long as uh, I can tell, uh, and we've kind of had a lot of famous alumni who are now in like the uh, sports media kind of. They're kind of like tycoons in a way, like uh, Bob Wischusen. Uh, he uh, does play-by-play for the uh, New York Jets on the radio, uh, and uh, so many more. Uh, can't name many off the top of my head right now but cool uh, a lot of local people oh yeah a lot yeah. Uh, especially in on like Nesson and stuff uh, there's a lot awesome. of uh, BC alums in there and they all kind of uh, cycle through the club so I'm just trying to keep that tradition alive um, and kind of grow the club from there very cool um, so correct me if I'm wrong but it seems like you have a particular affinity for hockey uh, when you're not covering the games, we've seen you down in the front row around, you know, where we sit. Um, what's your relationship to hockey as a sport? So I've actually played hockey since I was five. Um, and, uh, yeah. I kind of grew up on, on hockey, like watching, uh, I'm an Islander fan. So I watched like all 82 games, like every season and, <laughs> you know, it was, it was kind of rough, but, um, I just I love the sport, you know. I, I grew up on it, and uh, I'm kind of still growing up on it in a way. Um, it's 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 you know I I just love it. Who's your favorite Islander of all time? My favorite, uh, I gotta say, I'm gonna have to go with Matt Barzell, uh, just because yeah. when I was a little kid, um, I I always used to like take the puck in the neutral zone and skate past everyone and then skate around the, the offensive zone like five times looking for a pass and then just turn it over just like Matt Barzell does. But <laughs> uh, So that's kind of who I like based my game after. So I got I to gotta go with him. Nice, nice. Uh, another question we have, um, since I'm assuming for the broadcasting, do you sit up top? Yeah. So... What's the what's the difference between watching it from that sort of bird's eye view versus watching it like right in front? And which do you prefer? So um, I I love uh, broadcasting and calling hockey games. So I'm gonna have to go with uh, I really love sitting all the way up top. Uh, but um, since the team is like very good this year, um, they've kind of relegated us to a folding table on the side of the press box. So, really? which, yeah, which means <laughs> that we're at the same level as the students who are sitting in the last row of the student section, which means that you physically cannot see over them unless uh, you stand on a chair. So, wow. yeah, so the sight line is kind of rough up there. Uh, so uh, I don't know what I'd say in regards to that, but when we actually do have like a sight line to the game, uh, I love just being able to see how the play develops and comment on what I'm noticing on both sides of the ice. But uh, also, on the other hand, uh, my uh, friends and I always, uh, since uh, kind of the the dark ages of the past two years, we sat uh, kind of glass side, like right on the glass. Like since we we were there at 
uh, the main game two years ago when Maine came and kicked kicked us bad. Like they beat us really bad. <laughs> um, we were there shouting at those main players. I think I got a, a middle finger or two from uh, from uh, those main guys. Uh, we were there uh, for for those games, and we're here now. So I'm just I'm thrilled about the direction that the program's going. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that you had to stand to see beyond the students. I'm just wondering, last game, the Denver game, it was packed. So what was the experience like having to like stand, you know, almost over all of those students, including all, I mean, there was also a lot of students that didn't even get into the game. So it was packed. Were you able to like, get a good line of vision for the game or... I was able to see, okay, if if you're looking at the rink from up there, I was able to see kind of like three-fourths of the rink. Uh, so three-fourths of the rink, not including the um, boards that were closest to my side. So I was able to see enough to kind of guess what was happening uh, in like the corners and uh, along the boards over there, but uh, it, was, it was definitely very hard to do. Um, but I was able to get a, a few good calls up there. Um, but yeah. Yeah, the other thing I noticed when I've, I've sat up there in the past and like, you can, I don't know if this is true when other people are in the building, but you can hear like what they're saying on the ice because it must be in the way the sound travels, it bounces off of the ice and up towards the top. Is that true? Uh, I haven't been able to notice that because of how many students there were last game. Um, like it was actually insane. I, it was like, I, there's this amazing picture uh, from the home opener um, where it's like all of the students and we actually did get a booth that game and then it's like me like standing with like my my uh, lineup card in my hand like on top of all the students. It's, it's a an insane picture, but um, no, I, I wasn't able to hear what was going on on the ice uh, yeah. because of Maybe how many students. Maybe that was just students. the practice when I was watching one of the practices. Mm. Yeah. Um, one last question and we'll get into kind of the meat and potatoes of the episode. Um I know a lot of people in our generation think that radio is kind of outdated, um, but in the day and age where you have the only options of either going to the game or watching it on ESPN+, Plus, which is a paid subscription, I think that this medium is really important as it's it's free, right? It's You can just click on it online yep. and listen in. And I think it's super accessible to like a larger portion of people who just want to engage with the game. Um, so if you could just speak a little bit to the importance of radio, especially like either at BC or just like in today's day and age. Yeah, I think that uh, BC has a really uh, unique opportunity uh, for like young broadcasters and for uh, just like free, you know, it's it's free entertainment, it's free hockey that, uh, you know, you get to listen to. And most importantly, it's like we have that kind of student uh, excitement that you don't get sometimes on the uh, ESPN Plus broadcast, and I think it's it's really unique. Um, and radio is just a it's it's a really important kind of thing, uh, especially in terms of we do it on uh, on YouTube uh, mostly. Uh, we stream to YouTube, but still, it's like kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, you get to like listen to the game without uh, having to I don't know kind of get it gets it gets a little boring when the uh the commentators aren't like you know as exci- as exciting yeah. you know uh but i feel like we have that unique student perspective that uh you don't get in a lot of places and sometimes you find it in like the nfl when uh for instance that like vikings commentator for the radio who just gets super excited right. after yeah. every play and it's it's really unique for uh the radio um also uh it's just it's it's tradition as well like 
it's it's a great uh, tradition, and it's I, I don't know. I, I just have a lot of uh, great things to say about it. How many different radio like organizations that cover sports at BC? Um, one. I well, in terms of uh, or I meant that they cover the games. Yeah, in terms of radio that covers the game, I think um, BC football games are on WEEI. Um, oh, okay. So they cover BC football. I actually really uh, like their uh, broadcast of the football games. So I feel like they have a great kind of. They have a uh, John Metaparel, who is a, a professor here, who uh, right, yeah, yeah, who uh, does those games. And I think that the flow and like the I don't know the chemistry that they have in the booth is really awesome. Um, but in terms of a sport like women's lacrosse, we actually are the only coverage uh, of uh, women's lacrosse in terms of uh, the radio. So if you don't want to pay for ESPN Plus and you're a huge uh, BC Women's Lacrosse fan, uh, definitely tune in to uh, our YouTube channel. So, Awesome. Yeah, with that, we're going to kind of move into the, the women's set here. They had a, a good, good one against Holy Cross this weekend, two games, home and away. Um, game one started off slow again. Lane Lewis creates traffic in front, tipping the first goal of the game. I think, that's, I think the Eagles have conceded first, like, maybe every game this season, if not maybe one less than that. Uh, but after that, Jade Arnone uh, finds the net on a long-range shot off of Smigliani screen. Um, that was that was an equalizer right there. And then Gabby Oy takes the lead off of the faceoff. She darts right towards the net and just buries one. Kind of a clutch moment for them. But it was a game that the Eagles kind of eased into. Uh, I don't know if you can say anything about this, Brendan. But yeah, um, I think that game looked really good, especially coming off of, uh, you know, four wins prior to that, right? Um, so I think that, like, again, it was very much like a tide-shifting thing. Or maybe it wasn't four wins. Maybe it was a few wins, at least. Um, but, I mean, yeah, and before before Saturday, uh, they were still undefeated against Holy Cross. Um, but, yeah, uh, Anthony, what happened on Saturday? Saturday was was different. I don't know, Jacob, if you could elaborate on this. What what are your thoughts on the women so far? So I um, I actually one of my like side gigs. I I do a PA for uh, women's hockey for some of those games. Okay. So oh, wow, yeah. Um, I get to have like kind of a unique perspective on them. Um, I think that it's unfortunate that we lost uh, a lot of key pieces from last year. Yeah. Um, Especially, uh, but I, you know, I feel like we have kind of that stud in uh, in twenty one Abby Newhook, mm. and I feel like she yeah. is she is just kind of the spark plug for uh, for that team, and that when she does well, the rest of the team does well. Um, but we did also, uh, you know, we had a pretty unfortunate weekend a few weekends back against uh, Wisconsin, and yeah. um, I feel like that was a bit of a setback. But since then, I feel like we've been winning a lot, so. Um, I feel like we are definitely back on the on the right track in terms of uh, women's hockey. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we have a lot of young talent though, like Pellerin, Tabor, both uh, both freshmen. Pe- uh, sorry, Campbell's only a sophomore, so they're both they're all going to be here for a good number of years after this. In game two, Eagles concede again. Gendron opens the scoring for Holy Cross, but then a little while while later, Sydney Fast ties the game off of a net mouse scramble, and that was one of those dirty goals that. It's kind of weird to see, but it needs to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. That's that's where the money is going to be made. If you want to get to the front of that, keep going. 
And that's where you got to go to the front of net to get those goals, and that's exactly what she did. Um, Crowley said post game that the team needs to bury, bury more chances, um, given those given those opportunities. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, Anthony and I went to that game. Um, I do think, you know, it wasn't it wasn't great that there were a ton of Holy Cross fans there, um, many of whom were extremely vocal, as oh, Anthony yeah. and I noticed. Um, but yeah, in a, in a weird way, it felt more like a home game for Holy Cross. Um, but yeah, it's uh, oh, talk about that Metler hit because uh, I, I know you and I oh, both yeah. reacted crazy to that when we saw it. But yeah, yeah. Annika Metler just I think she just absolutely creams the Holy Cross captain Feeney right there in the corner, right close to us, and no penalty, which I thought was was great. I mean, there's no body checking in women's hockey, but. It was a great moment. It was kind of a wild no Momentum call, though, swing. But, yeah. Yeah, but thereafter, Sontag buries one off a loose puck in the slot. Holy Cross 2-1. to one. And then Katie Pine finds an equalizer in the third period off a of power play. Power plays were a big thing that game. I mean, they the Eagles had, I think, a five-minute advantage. Mm, yeah. And they were unable to capitalize on that. Actually, they were. Sorry. They, they did w- get one goal right, off of that, right. but... From then on, power plays were not really a significant factor. Overtime yielded a lot of good chances, but in the end, a shootout was necessary, and Holy Cross came out with the extra point. Yeah, I... Uh, what are your thoughts on the shootout, Jacob? Like, in general, you think it's a, like... I think that BC in particular, um, I mean, if you guys can think back to uh, that game against uh, BU... Uh, I believe it was our freshman year. Yeah, um, the December one in again. I mean, yeah. that was that was, that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were there. We were, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there too. I, it was. I mean, my friends and I were going absolutely nuts during that shootout. Um, shootouts. I think they they can be fun sometimes, but in the context of the bean pot, uh, shootout should be nowhere near uh, a sacred a sacred tournament like that. Agreed. I mean. Yeah. I when I heard that news that they were getting rid of the continuous overtime, I think I punched the wall. I was so upset about <laughs> it. I mean, it's like the whole point of the bean pot is, oh my god, we just played a triple overtime stunner against BU, won in overtime, celebrated with the fans, and now we got 9 a.m. math class in the morning, and that's that's just how it is. Um, but the fact that the uh, they whoever was responsible for making that decision eliminated it. Uh, it's very disappointing. So shootout for eliminating a tie, good thing. Uh, but shootout in a context of a big tournament is bad. Mm. Yeah, in the Holy Cross game, I mean, the shootout was it was rough. I mean, both teams couldn't score within eight rounds. Uh, yeah. Holy Cross eventually did score off of a kind of a weird bounce off off Campbell there, but. No execution whatsoever, and it's the shootout's kind of a double-edged sword for the Eagles. I mean, this year we might be better in some cases, worse in others, but in general it's it's not a situation that you like to see. But moving on to the men's side, uh, we had RPI on Friday. Uh, Jacob, what are your immediate thoughts about that game? Oh, man, I, I was actually uh, not calling that game. I was right in the front. Um uh, at the on the other side of you guys, I know yeah, you guys yeah. like to sit on the BC side. I was right. on the RPI side. Um, chirps, chirps were great from the from the crowd. Um, we got off to an early great start. Uh, Cutter, uh, his shot is insane. I mm. mean, every time he gets that like wide open look, I mean, he's always trying to 
nip top corner and sometimes he he succeeds but i think he has like 35 shots on the season which is yeah he was the league leader in shots which i thought was interesting yeah I mean, whenever he has a chance, he's shooting the puck, which is what we want to see from him, and that's what we saw uh, against RPI. I mean, RPI just clearly was the slower team out there. They just could not contend with the skill and speed that we had. Yeah, kind of after that, like you mentioned, Sutter Muzadi, a 2021 NTTB alum, gets one back. Um, Pro, though, gets on the board, though, after. Makes it 3-1, first first as an eagle. And then Yelvik grabs another off of a beauty feed from Ambro. Great spin pass from Colby Ambrosio right there. I didn't. Colby looks really good. I didn't know he had that in his repertoire, but Connor Joyce also gets on the board. Proves that the fourth line can get some of the scoring going. And then Will Smith versus an eagle off of a crazy bounce. I mean, it's something that you like to see because that line is getting, was at the beginning getting really unlucky with the chances. But mm-hmm. now we're starting to see a lot of those go in. I don't know if you can say something about that, Jacob. but Yeah, I feel like uh, in the uh, first few games of the season, you, they just could not buy a goal. I mean, mm. like, They're I generating was, all kinds of chances. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like Perot had so many chances. Leonard was always getting so physical on the forecheck. Like, I really love his physicality so far. Like, I feel like I've been so impressed with all three in like completely different ways. Like, oh, yeah. And I feel like they're all maturing in front of our very eyes, which yeah. is really special to see, especially because they're all like such... I don't know, highly touted uh, prospects or yeah. highly rated prospects. Um, so I'm I'm just really excited to see what the future holds holds with these guys, and it's been really fun watching them produce. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And then Greg Brown emphasized post game about RPI's physical play um, and how effective that was at the beginning. I, I remember there was this one time where one of the players made contact with Fowler, but then what was good is that quickly after that, Fortescue stepped up to him, and held him accountable. We, we didn't know if he was going to take a penalty or that for that or not, but it was good to see him stand up for his goalie right there. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think Fortescue is really proving to, you know, fit into maybe not the same role that Mike Posma did our freshman year. Uh, I just remember Posma was the, like, in-your-face, I'll-punch-you-watch-out guy, and it was great for energy purposes. And I think Fortescue is starting to take that role. Uh, and Fortescue's ability to, like, score – on top of that makes it, you know, that much better. Yeah. Um, but one thing one thing I felt this is appropriate to bring up this time because we have been talking about bringing it up um, is the difference between dirty and slimy players, as we call it. I think that when we were watching RPI, you and I were sitting there and, you know, I was like, oh, you know, so-and-so is a dirty player on RPI, and you're like, no, he's more slimy. So <laughs> so we'll, we'll introduce this concept to you, Jacob. So this is like a little bit of a strange concept that we, you know, came up with. So dirty is like outright... Outright cheap shots. Cheap shots, way beyond the rules. Slimy is kind of like along the line of the rules that's like maybe legal, maybe not. And slimy isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of playing to your advantage. But I would say RPI was was slimy, borderline dirty. I don't know what you think, Anthony, but I thought they had a lot of really, you know, below the belt like blows that I just think were kind of unnecessary. Yeah, we're starting to see that kind of tactic used to being used more and more. I don't know the Kachucks in the NHL are a perfect example of that. I don't know if you can say something about that, Jacob, but I feel like they always like go on that borderline of dirty and slimy for more of an advantage for the for the team yeah we saw that last night uh bc alum alex tuck got uh oh, yeah. sent to the oh, ice yeah. pretty hard by uh, i think brady kachuk 
Yeah, it's exactly um, what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. so popped it's out like, shoulder too. Yeah. Kachuk was in. I don't. We'll get to Frozen Frenzy later. I don't yeah. know if you watch. But oh we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No. I. All right. So three BC players. Um, I'm gonna give you three BC players. Dirty or slimy. So one of them from last year. Uh, he's not on the team anymore. I'm gonna say Trevor Kuntar. Dirty or slimy. 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 Yeah. I okay. Say, I would say okay. slimy. Yeah. Cutter Gauthier. Uh, also slimy. I would say also slimy. I think he totes the line a little bit more. And we'll get into the thing that happened with Denver because there's a variety of different perspectives with that. As I'm sure you've seen if you're on BC Twitter, all the burner accounts have been talking about that. But we'll get to that anyway. And uh, Charlie Letty. Also slimy. Slimy. I, I, but again, we're biased because we're not going to – I don't think I'm going to call any BC player dirty. Yeah. But – but yeah. <laughs> anyway, um. but it, it is an important thing to understand about the game, and because there's a lot of people that are trying to make the game less physical than it used to be. I know a lot of leagues have banned fighting, the Q, for example, up in Canada, and like it's just a way of creating space for your teammates, standing up for your teammates, and that's what makes hockey special, and that's kind of why we like this game. Yeah, yeah. But like moving on to Denver, immediate thoughts. Uh, for me, um, I did call that Denver game. Uh, from what I could see, I mean, we we looked like a great hockey team yeah. during that game. I, it was an it was an absolute pleasure to uh, watch that one. I mean, especially yeah. after uh, the past few years where we haven't looked as refined as a hockey team. I think the way that we were moving the puck, we just we looked very professional out there, and uh, it, it was sad that we uh, came out on the losing side, but. There's definitely a situation where we come out on the winning side of a game like that, so I can't say I'm uh, uh, upset about it. Yeah, I mean, even before the game, like you mentioned, the atmosphere was just insane. Like, probably the most intense atmosphere I've ever seen at Conti before. Yeah, I mean, we got there at what time? Anthony, you got there at like 5.15. I got there like 10 minutes after you. I mean, the blackout was a huge success. Yeah. I mean, students packed the house a full hour before game time. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it was... I, rumor has it on Twitter that the whole student section was filled by like 618 or something like that with that's a puck true. drop at I, 7. I, yeah, I saw that. That's wild. That's that's really impressive. And you it's, know. Some, it's an atmosphere that really takes you back to like the pre-COVID Johnny Gaudreau era back when we were just creaming teams left, right, and center. But yeah. Some of the game notes. Um, Will Smith continues his hot streak with a crazy goal off a of Perot screen. Uh, it's good to see that one go in. For the for the for the lead right off the bank, uh, Maximo Rizzo gets one back quickly after. Oscar Yelvik gets another one off of a broken play. I remember kind of Will Vote was on the half wall coming up the blue line. He kind of shovels it over to him, kind of almost by mistake. But it's good to see Yelvik continue to score there. And then Connor Caponi and Tristan Bros get one get quick ones in succession. Denver takes the lead. Will Smith gets a late equalizer off of a crazy bounce. And I remember when he, he scored that, the student section just absolutely erupts. I yeah. don't know if you can say something about yeah. that, Jacob. But. As did I. I also like went <laughs> crazy after that one. Um, uh, again, I mean, everybody was going crazy. Uh, Will Smith finally um, kind of breaking through this weekend. As yeah. He was kind of having a tough go at things, I feel like, before. But he really just came into his own this weekend. And I'm really looking forward to see what he can do on Thursday. Yeah, and... And unfortunately, King gets the late winner off of a broken feed from Jack Devine. And that was really kind of a deflating goal, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, I would like to stress that this was a great hockey game. Like, this was this was one of my favorite hockey games that I've watched in Conte up there with, you know, 
Jerry Orgnite and others. It was it was a great game, and honestly, like I Anthony and I were talking after the game about like rankings and polls, and you know, depends on how much you think that matters. But you know, in my mind, you know, I'm very happy that we didn't drop any spots, mostly because I think that like you know, when two and three, number two and number three play, and it's a one goal difference, they really shouldn't change spots, and that's just my idea. Uh, because I saw some polls out there that had BC dropping to like six or seven, some like off-brand, not USCHO polls. But you know, I don't know what you think about the polls, Jacob. But I think at this point in the season, uh, they're not as important as they will be. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's important to win our non-conference games now, kind of build experience. Um, but it's the conference games that really are gonna matter. And like, I think that. The Hockey East is a really loaded conference this year. Yeah. We've got um, BU, obviously, uh, who's kind of on a skid to start the season. Even though UNH, like, surprising. Yeah, yeah UNH looks yeah. really good. Yeah, I mean, I think UNH is, is a really great hockey team uh, this year. And uh, as is Providence. I think Providence is mm. probably either two or three in the conference if you count BC as one. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of goes back to like the manner in which we lost the game. It was... I mean, it, it pretty much decided it down to the penalties towards the end there. Like, it could have gone either way, some of those power plays, which were obviously important because... Yeah, I, I do want to say, I mentioned this to Anthony, I think I mentioned it in one of the earlier episodes, that, like, I know it's the beginning of the year, and I know changes on and off the ice um, are going to be rough. They're, all, they're That's just how it is at the beginning of the year. But the too many men on the ice call is something that is super avoidable and you know, quite frankly, shouldn't have happened. But it, it does happen, and that it is important. Like, obviously, I'm not. there's no blame to be placed on a single person. And speaking of the blame being placed on a single person, I social media really went after Cutter after that game, which I think is completely unfair. I yeah. think that, you know, it's heat of the moment. Stuff like this happens, and, you know, if Cutter got a penalty, so should have the guy who was, you know, poking at Fowler incessantly and to my vision put his hands on on Jacob Fowler's helmet so like I don't blame Cutter it's heat of the moment stuff but again I don't know Anthony and yeah, you want to chime in yeah I mean it's some it's a call that could go either way they could get them both for roughing or one from his sportsman like one for roughing etc but it's just something that could go either way and I think Cutter doing that was almost it wasn't good necessarily but going forward it will be good because it's one thing that sets the tone for the rest of the year. In fact, that like you can't touch our goalie without us doing something about it, etc. But weekend thoughts as a whole, goals are starting to go in from anywhere. I don't know. What do you think about that, Jacob? Yeah, uh, goals are going in from anywhere. I agree with that point, especially with that Will Smith goal to uh, open the scoring. I mean, it was kind of like a nothing shot that just <laughs> happened to go in, blocker side. But um, I think that if our good shots like uh, that USA line, like Cutter, like uh, Gasser, uh, even Malone has that toe drag, uh, toe drag release. Um, <laughs> if they keep shooting the puck, I think we're going to get a lot more generous bounces and uh, crash the net for rebounds and uh, s- uh, start scoring more goals. Yeah, and defense as a whole this week really looks solid. Um, the the freshman D pair, Fortescue and Manidian, well, they're not on D pair, but both freshmen, they look solid. They both provide different things. I think Mendetian's work rate is just off the charts. Yeah. Uh, what I've noticed from Mendetian is kind of how well he is with skating with the puck. I think he yeah. had like 
70 plus points last season uh, with uh, the U.S. team, and um, I'm just so happy that he we have that guy. I mean, he is electric, and I think he's going to have a lot of a uh, of a say in how well the Eagles do this season, especially with how fast he is. Yeah, and then once again, Fortescue looks really confident and poised back there and moving pucks up ice. Another thing about that game, no band. No oh, band. Yeah, so this is so this is a complex thing. I've heard a lot about this, and I'm sure you have maybe, we'll see, um, about why there's no band. Because to my understanding, there are people in hockey operations, as well as people in university administration, that think it's better to play the game without a band in favor of a more like NHL-like atmosphere with sound system. I don't know if you've heard anything about this, Jacob, but it's been it's been stuff that I've heard on social media and just kind of around. So um, being it on like the athletic operations staff, I haven't heard anything like that, but maybe I'm just not listening hard enough. <laughs> um, but it's college. It's college sports. Like football has it. Why? Like why would right. you have a band for football if that were the case? Yeah. And also basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to have have that uh, the band aspect uh, to the game, and it was disappointing to not see it. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. with a big game like this. Like, I'm I'm totally cool if they like don't want to have the band for every game because I know that can be a hassle. But like games like Denver, you know, when we get to BU in January, like I, I expect the band to be there, and I think that that's like a very fair assessment. But yeah, and kind of. Going off of that, like with no band, the sound system is still not the best. Like, yeah, it's really hard to hear what they're saying on the PA system. But. I think they the, something about the sound system was different between RPI and Denver, though. Maybe was it, I'm, was it really? Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy, but I I think that there was some difference because I at least even in the warmups, uh, not warmups, the lines starting lines announcements like sounded more clear. Maybe I was just more tuned in, but I don't know. Well, it'll be good if they improve that, whatever. But we got MSU this weekend for some Thursday. Oh, wait, one more thing. I'm going to add one more thing. I would be remiss. We would be remiss to not give some credit to Gentry Schamberger. He Mm. has had some games. And for someone who really didn't get a lot of ice time last year, he's stepping up. And I think that he's doing an incredible job and deserves all the credit in the world for that. I I don't know if you guys want to speak to that, but I just think Schamberger deserves a lot of credit for, you know, competing out there with guys that you know have more experience on the ice both you know with uh over the summer nhl camps or even just college hockey like more experience than shamburger does but he 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 really did a wonderful job and has been doing a good job in armstrong's absence yeah it's going to be uh interesting to see what they do when armstrong happens to come back um after that uh block shot heard around the world i saw mm. that on twitter yeah <laughs> um but I agree, uh, Gentry, like, as an assistant captain, is really showing his leadership with, like, how he's playing physical and always forechecking hard, always backchecking hard. Uh, he should be a great role model for those yeah. uh, young Eagles. Yeah. And then going back to this weekend, we got Michigan State for some Thursday and Friday night hockey. Whew. We're all really pumped up for that. Oh, yeah. A little bit about Michigan State. Savage, Muller, and Lebshinoff are the guys. Like, these guys have significant amount of points and only six games so if we can limit them that'll probably be our key to victory i don't know what you think about that team jacob um i think they have a good goalie if i'm I mean, they do have a good Trey goalie. Trey augustine is going to be a tough one to get uh, past yeah i'm yeah. looking forward to uh uh i'm calling the game on thursday i've got a uh 
theology class assignment on Friday, so I can't <laughs> be there, uh, which is pretty sad. I think it'll be the first home game that I'm missing uh, since I got here. So I'm a little upset about that, but um, I am so excited uh, to see what we can do against number eight. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be intense. But for some around the league news, Brandon, what do we have? Uh, a lot. Um, as I'm sure podcast listeners can tell, I, I love college hockey more than the NHL, which is a hot take, but that's because I'm new to hockey, and I just love college hockey around the league. Um, so first we'll talk about Minnesota, North Dakota. Minnesota obliterated North Dakota in the first game. The second game was closer, and North Dakota squeaked out with a win. Again, showing that a team like Minnesota, although number one and although great, is beatable. Um, and North Dakota looks great. Anthony, I know you've mentioned that a lot too. Uh, and I think you picked them to win the whole thing this year way back when. Is that is that still a prediction you agree with? Yeah, I mean, top to bottom, their roster is is not getting any worse. Like, it's solid right now. They, they've they gotten um, – their older guys have came back continuously for – for however many junior and senior years, and Jaden Prawn they got this year, phenomenal talent, and in the future they they got a lot of prospects coming in, so they're going to be a formidable opponent for like the entire year. I know their home atmosphere is just insane, mm. and they have a lot of experience top to bottom. Minnesota is right up there with them, though, like you said. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to talk about is how the little opponent swap between BC and Providence this weekend. We had RPI on Friday, Denver on Saturday. They had Denver on Friday, RPI on Saturday. Um, they got a win. Providence got a win versus Denver. It was a really gritty game towards the end. Um, and, yeah, they got a win also against RPI. Providence looks really good. Uh, Svedback is absolutely one of the best goalies in college hockey. Yeah, I was going to say the hockeys, but, yeah, I agree, college hockey. Svedback looks great. Um, will be interesting. Um as time goes on, what goalies develop in the hockey East, because the hockey East really is stacked with goalies. You look at Merrimack, Providence, uh, even Karan at BU is looking pretty solid, uh, with the exception of the dev team game. Is um, is Austin still at Maine? Yes. We'll we'll check on that, but I, I believe he is. Um, Maine but, also looks good. Yeah, Maine yeah, does I mean, also look good. Yeah. Maine creamed uh, RPI twice. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much of a feat that is, but yes. Um, well, I think RPI was up 2-0 against Providence for like yes, most of the were. game as well. Um, but Providence did what they did what they had to do. Providence is a really good home atmosphere too. Hopefully, we make it to a game there, Anthony. Someday. Wink, wink. We will. Um, UMass um, just got um, team of the country on NCAA hockey. Um, or team of the week, whatever. <laughs> team of the week. Team right, of the yeah. no, the country's team of the week is what they call it. Um, Interesting. For their sweep of Minnesota State, they looked really good. Um, I mean, Minnesota State lost a lot of players to transfer portal, which true. sucked. Like compared to the to the championship team we saw a couple years ago, it's not the same. Yeah, but that's that's unfortunate. But BU and North uh, Notre Dame split. Um, both of those games were blowouts by each squad. It was really interesting. I mean, Macklin Celebrini, the first game looked looked pretty bad, but the second game he looked like superhuman talent. I don't know. What do you think about him? Um, yeah, I think that he very well could be the uh, first overall pick in the draft next year. I think there's a lot of hype yeah. around him, and he's he's really good. But I think that 
there are definitely players on BC that are very comparable to mm, uh, yeah. Macklin, like Perot and Leonard and uh, Smith. Like I feel like if Celebrini can make those crazy highlight stick handling plays, I feel like they can too. Absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I do think that something that's really interesting uh, if we're comparing players like Perot and um, Will Smith with someone like Celebrini, it's really interesting because Celebrini, in the way that uh, Smith and Perot have had like kind of a slower start and kind of gotten into it, Celebrini's a little bit different as he's like on one game and off another, which is interesting. And when he's on, he's the best player on the ice. Don't get me wrong with that. But when he's off, he he isn't you know isn't that superhuman talent. So it's interesting to see if kind of Pro and Smith will continue this hot streak, or they'll kind of have the on and off that Celebrini did, which is understandable for young players, obviously. But I think with young players in general, what it comes down to in separating those number one picks versus like the four or five picks is the two hundred foot game. We've seen players come in with all the talent in the world, but if they're not able to compete 200 feet in the D zone, auto zone, both neutral zone, they're not going to get to that next level. So it's all about development, and that's kind of what this NCAA process is about. And that's really interesting when talking about players in general. And then kind of lastly here, Ohio State and Michigan split. I don't know too much about that. but Yeah, first game was a blowout. Michigan killed Ohio State. Second game, I believe, was a shootout, um, which went um, overall – I mean, solid for Ohio State was close, but yeah. but yeah. And then some final thoughts on Frozen Fen- Frenzy here. What do you what do you think about that, Jacob? Uh, I I absolutely loved it, and I was like, I wish this was an every week kind of thing, and yeah. uh, hopefully it will be a thing going forward. Um, it was just entertaining in general. I had my uh, Islanders on on one tab, but uh, when I realized that the Islanders are not good, I just switched to uh, Frozen Frenzy and. There were just all these highlights happening at the same time, and it was they were even like struggling to get through everything. That's yeah. how crazy it was. Um, but for a hockey fan who loves the game, it was it's a perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, something I also saw was that they were almost breaking the record for most goals in a single night. They were NHL so close. Action. We both wanted that to happen. They missed but... it by three goals, I think. I think the the record's one hundred five. They had one hundred two, so that was good. Another thing that I loved is talking about all, I mean, this this helps that it was coming from Gross, but talks about yep. so many college hockey players in the NHL. And yep. Anthony and I were talking about that, about how that's a big shift, and it's like college hockey is becoming as big and as popular as like the WHL or other, you know, pre-NHL programs. And I think that that's a great thing for college hockey and a great thing for hockey in general. Yeah, I was kind of telling Brendan about something about this uh, last night. Players like maybe like Gabe Perot or Andre Gasso 30 years ago or 20 years ago would have never played college hockey because they both have Canadian roots, mm. part Canadian. A player like Matthew Kachuk, for example, never played in college. He played in the O. And it, I think now players like Kachuk, Jack Hughes, those type of guys would absolutely want to play for a top program and kind of showcase their talents on a more develop stage as the NCAA hockey kind of grows as an entity yeah you want to grow the game I mean I feel like if you make college hockey bigger then everything gets bigger uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of hockey like if you spread um, you know kind of that that amateur hockey like in a sport like basketball like everybody watches college basketball basket like basketball fans love 
uh, to watch college basketball because like the players seem to care so much more um, than they do once they get a boatload of money in the NBA. Uh, college hockey, not quite the same thing, but if you want to grow the game, I feel like college hockey is a great place to uh, look. Also, it's just a great opportunity for garnering uh, American talent in general. The more programs you have out there, the more people who are going to grow, um, kind of get into that. And the more talented the USA roster is going to be in the future, which is something that we would all love to see, whether it's in the Olympics, etc. But that's kind of our episode today. Jacob, thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Seriously, yeah, seriously, thank, thank you so yeah, much. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with a recap of Michigan State and a preview of UMass Lowell. Take care, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. See you next week.